Arizona Sports is proud to present the Uprising Podcast. Uprising Podcast. Hello, and welcome into another edition of the Uprising Podcast, a podcast about Phoenix Rising Football Club. I am your host, Jake Anderson. Today, we're going to have another two-guest edition on the Uprising Podcast. First, I'm going to bring on Phoenix Rising's left winger, Santi Moar, who has already gotten off to the 2021 campaign with a bang, just as his club has. Six points out of six for Phoenix Rising after the 3-0 win over Oakland Roots last Saturday. And Santi had a goal, a mega on a very, very nice James Musa long ball. Uh, that gives Santi a second goal on the year. He also has two assists, so it's good to see him pick up where he left off in last season. Then... I'm going to bring on Owen Evans. He is a freelance reporter that's been covering the team for four years now and has been following the team all the way back to their Peoria days. So without further ado, let me bring on my first guest of the day, Phoenix Rising's left winger, Santi Moore. Santi, how are you, man? Good seeing you. How you been? Very good. Very good. Just taking some rest here in the apartment. So is that the uh, the new apartments that uh, they got for you guys? Yes, yes, yes. This is the new the new place. So I used to live in the old ones. Um, it was you weren't here yet, uh, so I, I kind of know about that one. What are what are the perks for this new place? Uh, I mean, it's brand new, a uh, brand new building. Uh, we are all kind of like closer to each other. Uh, in this building, I think it's probably we have seven apartments. Uh, is closer to the, I mean not closer the other the other apartments were super close to the other stadium but it's only this one is only 10, 10 minute drive to the stadium so it's pretty doable uh do you have roommates or do you guys all have your own place no some 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 guys have roommates uh, I got the advantage of getting my own place this year I, I had a roommate last year but I'm, I'm on my own this year I know uh, a big complaint at the old place was the pool was never in use, and that's a big deal at Joey Farrell's. Are you a pool guy? Sometimes. Oh, probably only once a week, maybe on Sundays. But no, no, I try to stay out of the sun for as long as I can. <laughs> I'm an AC guy. I am, I am too. Um, <laughs> but uh, I saw training looks kind of fun today. Saw the videos coming out. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that was yesterday. That was that was yesterday. So okay, that was yesterday. Last week. So, you know, when somebody gets a fine or... Uh, so, for example, we have uh, rules inside of the locker room. And we have a badge in, inside of the locker room. And so nobody can step on the badge, on the Phoenix Rising badge. So, unfortunately, I was playing with the ball and, and I stepped on the badge. So everybody saw it. Uh, so it, that's a, a spin. So we have a like a roulette. So you gotta sp- uh, take a spin, and one of the things on the roulette is butts up. So you gotta <laughs> uh, stay on the line, and everybody will take a shot. Uh, but that wasn't me. That wasn't me. That w- me was last week. Uh, this week I don't know what happened, but somebody didn't didn't got late to a meeting or something like that. Uh, so you know. Everybody had to stay on the line and, well, he had to stay on the line and everybody shoots. And if they miss target, they got to join the person in the middle. So that, that's that's pretty fun. That's pretty fun. It's not fun when you are on the line, I tell you. Oh, I can imagine. But, yeah, it, it was it was fun to watch. And it's cool to see you guys be able to 
to you know have some fun at, at training as well. Yes. So what's the uh, what's the feeling in training like this week after you know two wins and then obviously you you're playing you know one of the best teams in the league this week and obviously the I guess the storyline is kind of how it's the final but obviously it's not a final. What's what's you guys feeling in training this week? Well, feeling feeling good obviously when you come uh, to training after two wins. Uh, the vibe is always a little bit better than when you are losing. But since Monday, we started preparing for Tampa. Uh, we started looking at video. Uh, we started also, you know, thinking about the things that we did well and the things that we need to improve. Uh, I think one thing was very important that coach said on Monday that uh, there's a lot of things we need to improve uh, in terms of possession and, and combining. Uh, we are not in, you know, in our best shape yet, but he said that the most important thing is building up to, to be in the best shape possible in game 35, game 36, when the championships are won or lost. So, yeah, we are calm, confident and, and ready to go. Something that was definitely noticeable against Oakland was how much possession you guys had. You know, we're not necessarily used to seeing you guys pinging around that much. We're used to seeing you guys create, you know, turnovers in midfield and, and going fast. So what's that like for you? You know, you've been here, this is, you know, your multiple years now and you're not that it's every game is going to be possession like that, but it looks like you guys are, are working toward that. Yeah. I mean, every, every team presents a different challenge. Uh, we like to take the initiative, but sometimes we just need to, you know, sit a little bit, press, and try to create turnovers and 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 finish. Be clinical with with the, their mistakes. I think we did that very well against Oakland. Uh, we punished them in with their mistakes, and and that's how we we got the the, the good result. Uh, Tampa is going to be a much more difficult challenge, more experienced uh, team on the league, and. You know, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult, but I mean, we are ready to go. I think we are preparing very well. The coaches are giving us all the tools that we need, and and we are excited to to get the unfinished business sorted. Uh, so, what day are you guys leaving? Is it Thursday? I believe it is tomorrow. We leave tomorrow. Yeah, we leave to uh, Thursday. Yeah, we leave Thursday. Okay, and so uh, what would that be different in terms of, let's say you were going to Las Vegas or San Diego, what day would you normally leave for a shorter trip like that? Yeah, we will leave uh, the day before the game and we'll stay only one night uh, at the hotel before uh, the game. With Tampa, uh, having like three-hour time difference, uh, we want to get there a little earlier, set up and have a full session of training in Tampa uh, to uh, you know get used to the, the weather, the humidity, uh, and also, you know, uh, it, it will be our first road trip as a team. I think it will be good for you know, uh, you know, to to be one extra, to have one extra day, uh, just in case you know, uh, <laughs> traveling and all those things get uh, a little messy sometimes. So, I mean, going a little early is is good for us. Yeah, I actually think this is the the furthest the team has ever had to travel for a regular season game. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you guys went there last year and didn't end up playing, which is unfortunate for everybody. But this week, Rick earlier said, you know, this team, Tampa Bay, plays a lot like San Diego does. Uh, what are you expecting to see from them um, as a forward? What do you expect to see their defense try to do to you? 
Well, I expect them, yeah, they build up with, you know, three in the back, uh, like San Diego, but I don't expect them to be that reckless in a way. I think San Diego, you know, kept playing from the back, even with our high press. I think Tampa will be more efficient in that way. Like they, if, if the press is effective from us, they'll be, they'll just clip it long, skip a line on the air and, and try to fo- find the, the, the forwards, the midfielders. Uh, so I, I think it will be, it'll be a different challenge in that aspect. So Rick was saying that because they do play three in the back there, you guys want to, you know, try to spread them out and, and create the channels between the center backs, which most likely you or, or solo on the other side would be running through. So, you know, how much are you looking forward to that matchup specifically, but also that it's going to be against, you know, one of the best teams in the league and on national television on ESPN too? Oh, very excited. Very excited. Uh, they, they have probably one of the best defenders in the league. Uh, you know, Lasso, Scarlett, uh, Guillen. I think they, they, they are really, really strong. And I mean, I'm super excited to, to match up against them. You know, uh, we probably, you know, they're probably concerned about our offense as well. So it, it'll be, it'll be mutual respect. Uh, but hopefully the best team wins. So I think one of the biggest surprises this year has been Ryan Flood. And not that anyone doubted his talent, but just I think how well he's been playing and how well he's been combining with you on the left was something that no one was really pointing to in the preseason. Could you just kind of talk to me about how Ryan Flood has impacted you guys on the left-hand side playing left back? Yeah, I think he surprised everybody. Uh, you know, he's taking his chances, he's using them, and and really, really making a, a mark in, in this team. I think he's gelling very, very well with the group. Uh, and he's very, very aggressive, and he's done well so far. So we just, right now, he probably has more confidence than what he did a few weeks ago, and, you know, uh, excited to see more of him and playing with him. And and I think he's, we all have to learn, uh, but, you know, it's, we, are, we, we have to learn together, and I think having a, a full season with him and with the rest of the guys will be, will be important. I think we'll be much better at the end, at the end of the year this year. So for you personally, obviously, you made team of the week after the first week. So I should have probably started off with that saying congrats on that. Um, But, you know, especially, you know, we had talked about it last year, how we had I called it the unlucky start for you last year because of the pandemic and you got injured and whatnot. For you personally, after two weeks, you got a team of the week, two goals, two assists. I mean, just how important was that for you to to show that, you know, what you did, especially at the end of last season, carried over to the start of this season? Yeah, it was very important to start off the right foot. Uh, I think we did that uh, this year. But the thing is, like, if you really trust the process and you really trust what you do, I think, uh, you know, things at the end of the day will sort themselves out. Uh, I was happy about how, how I ended up the season last year and work a lot during the off-season, try to come back as healthy as possible, in shape. And, you know, pre-season wasn't as, as good as I expected uh, for everybody. But, you know, I think we were working towards the, the right uh, path and things are starting to click right now. I mean, it's still a, lot, a long road ahead, but I think... You know, it was a good start, definitely. 
So looking back at the preseason, you know, you guys played 12 matches. And if you look at a team like Orange County, they only played six and they haven't even played a pre or excuse me, they haven't played a regular season game yet. Mm-hmm. So now that we're into the regular season for you guys, I mean, do you think the fact that you guys had such a long preseason has helped you in terms of continuity, match fitness? Because, I mean, it, you guys have really come out of the gates. You know, it's kind of like night and day from preseason to, to regular season. Yeah, it's obviously when you test yourself against, you know, tough opposition like we did uh, with MLS teams. Obviously, sometimes the results are not going to go your way, but I think it was good preparation, very, very good preparation for us. Uh, and, I mean, right now we are not in mid-season shape yet, but you, we're getting there, probably closer than any other teams uh, in the league. So, yeah, happy about that. How much would you say the crowd has helped you guys just having them back? Because it, from a media standpoint, watching it, it, it feels like you guys really feed off of them. I know just watching you celebrate, it seems like you you really enjoy playing in front of them. Yeah, it's a completely different, uh, you know, sensation. Uh, having them supporting us, it just makes everything, you know. Uh, I think that is a big factor about us winning and getting results and, and, you know, celebrating together. I think the fans enjoy it. We enjoy it on the field. It's, you know, it's a circle. <laughs> so really, really happy to, to have them uh, in the stadium. And, I mean... I think in June we are full capacity. So probably, you know, at some point having 10,000 people uh, cheering for us, that's that's something that I miss for sure. All right, Sadi, and then the uh, the last question before I let you go, who's going to win La Liga? Uh, I mean, it's very, very tight. But I think Atletico de Madrid has the the last say, you know, only two games for them remaining. If they win both, they they win La Liga. Unfortunately for me, because I'm a Real Madrid fan, and I think oh, we, that's why I asked. Yeah, we had it in our hands, but we we just let it go. We we did let it go uh, last week. Uh, but I, I mean, I think Atlético de Madrid. It will it will be amazing to see Sevilla win it. And I think they they still have a you know slim possibility of winning it, but as long as Barça doesn't win it. Um, John, John will not agree with me, but <laughs> um, one, one more question. I lied because because Jose Mourinho used to be Real Madrid's manager, and now he's going to be Roma's manager, and Roma is my team. Uh-huh. What what are your what are your thoughts on Jose Mourinho as a manager? Because everyone seems to have uh, an opinion on the chosen one, right? Uh-huh. Well, Jose when when he was in Madrid, I think he was very controversial, very and very adamant in, in the press, with the media. I really like that because, you know, as a fan, you really want your, your, your coach, your manager to, to step and, and defend your colors. Uh, but then when I saw this prime video about uh, Tottenham and, and Mourinho, I saw a different part of, of Mourinho and I really like him as a coach as well. So, uh, I mean, I would love to be coached by him at some point. You know, I think he's one of those coaches that really, really take the best out of you. And you know, Roma uh, should be should be happy to have him. Yeah, I, I just got done watching it myself, and so I know exactly what you mean with the Amazon Prime All or Nothing with Spurs. Yeah. All right, Santi. Well, I appreciate you taking your time today to speak with me. Um, 
safe travels tomorrow to Tampa and good luck on Saturday. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Let's bring home the three points. <laughs> All right, Santi. I'll speak with you later. See you. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. See you. And that was Phoenix Rising's left winger, Santi Moore, as the team prepares to head to Florida to take on the Tampa Bay Rowdies on Saturday at 5 p.m. on ESPN2. Now, to get a little bit more insight on that match and overall how the team is performing out of the gates these first two weeks, I'm going to now bring on Owen Evans, who has been covering the team for four years, but has been following the team all the way back to their Peoria days. And ironically, uh, he is right now wearing his Wales shirt while I wear my Italy shirt uh, about a month before the two face off against each other in Rome in Euro 2020 slash 21. But I'll digress there. Oh, nice to have you on. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, not doing too bad. All right. So obviously, uh, last time we spoke on a uh, media forum, I was uh, a little difficult, a little hard on the team. And obviously, they've come out punching, coming out swinging. And they got six points out of six. Goal difference of plus six after scoring seven goals and only allowing one. So is this something you expected to see from the team off the bat? Or are you a little bit surprised as well? I mean, if you were basing it off the preseason performances, you'd have had nothing like this, would you? Uh, but a part of that also, I think, comes down to the fact that the teams they've played haven't necessarily lived up to the billing that we expected them to. I mean, Oakland, I suppose we didn't really expect a great deal out of them, but San Diego, you know, yes, you, you win 4-1. It's an absolutely storming victory. But then they go on in their next game and lose to RGV. So, you know, we expected a lot more out of San Diego. So there's that factor to it as well. But of course, you know, the, the team definitely has clicked in a way that they haven't during the preseason. Uh, so, I mean, look, at the, at the end of the day, before the San Diego game, I think uh, there was a feeling around it that either the team was going to go out there and, and put a fair few goals on them, or it was going to be the other way around. You know, there's no in-between with this rising team. They're, they're either going to absolutely blow someone away, or, or it was going to be a continuation of the preseason. So after watching them in person for... 180 plus minutes what would you say has been the the biggest factor or factors if you can name a couple as to why this almost transformation of what we saw in the preseason versus the regular season well I think I did just touch on it with the um you know the quality of the opposition hasn't quite been there that makes it a lot easier I think the other thing that is worth noting here is that Santimar has you know completely made that that left wing spot his own. Uh, there were question marks over quite how he was going to do it. You know, there were a lot of question marks of whether he'd be able to to step up and fill in the shoes that that Junior Fleming's left after the season that he'd had last year. And he seems to have completely taken that in his stride. You know, the way that he is running at the defenders, the way that he scored one, two assists, I believe, in that opening game against San Diego. He gets another goal then against Oakland, ultimately puts it out of, you know, out of sight. It was, that's the one that made it 2-0. And Oakland, sure, they weren't great, but you, know, you couldn't count them out. Once it became 2-0, you almost felt the mountain too far, really, for them to climb. The pro- uh, well, you know, it's weird to say, I guess, that you've got Santi Mauer is performing so well when you've got Solomon Asante on the other side. Uh, you know, solo two-time reigning MVP. Uh, I think the thing about it and the thing that, that makes Solo so successful sometimes is the fact that you have that threat on the other side. 
You know, it's the fact that you can't just focus on solo because you've got someone else who's going to cause so much trouble. And it's allowed Santi to shine at the start of this season. But I think as people start to wake up more to what he's bringing, I think we're going to see even more from Solo because the defences are going to be pulled over to deal with Santi. I think as a whole, the team has actually gelled reasonably well um, with some of the newer positions. I think you know, there's not a great deal of change in midfield, is there? You've put Aiden Quinn in, taken Sam Stanton out. But they haven't seemed dysfunctional at all in there. Defensively, a lot more changes, and yet only the one goal conceded. So I think as a whole, it's just that the team has gelled well, and I think that Santi Moa has been absolutely blowing away the opposition. Yeah, and I think the biggest surprise, or I don't want to say surprise as meaning we weren't thinking it was going to happen, but I don't think we were expecting Ryan Flood to break onto the scene this early and with this much success. I mean, how much of a difference do you think that has had both on the defensive end and, as you just alluded to, helping Santi out on the left side? Well, it, I think it's something that may or may not have happened if Noah Billingsley's visa had actually come through in time for the opening game. We don't know if, if Ryan would have been picked for that opener or not, and I'm sure we won't really get the sh- a straight answer on that one, to be perfectly honest. But, you know, he, he's come in, he's performed well, and he, he's now really, you know, laid out the gauntlet for, for Noah that, you know, he's going to have to perform well to actually take that spot off of him. Um, we did see a bit of Noah Billingsley in that in that last game off the bench. Wasn't his strongest outing, so I'd, I'd be surprised to see Flood dropped for the next one, to be honest. So I, I think that as a whole, he's someone who fits in reasonably well with the uh, typical Rick Shantz idea of attack from the back and what he expects out of his fullbacks. And that makes sense. He is, after all, a, a winger that's being converted to play in that role. Um, so I think that's his main thing, really. And especially pairing him over there with Santi, it's working at the moment. And I'm sure it won't be changed anytime soon. So obviously teams always need to be improving on something. There's always something that can be exploited. And that basically just comes down to all systems. All systems have weak points. Uh, what have you seen in the first two matches that you would like to see Rising improve on as the season progresses? Well, I think the, the biggest question mark at the moment is when is Rufat going to get on the score sheet, right? And it, it seems weird to be coming out with this. We're only two games into the season. And of course, you know, this is when you've got to caveat massively. The team hasn't had any hasn't had any problems scoring goals as a whole. Uh, strikers can blow hot and cold. It can be just a confidence issue. Sometimes you get that first goal and you'll find he's going to score an, another, you know, two, three, four in the next few games. It, it happens. Um, but at the same time, you can't really look at seven goals scored with your centre forward getting none and, and not think, why? Um, in the first game, it looked as though he was just snatching at the shots a little bit. Uh, the second game wasn't his best performance at all. But at the end of the day, the team hasn't needed him. Uh, so it, it's not the end of the world that he hasn't been able to deliver the goals in these games. And you've just got to hope from a rising perspective that he's going to find the back of the net soon enough. 
and get them going. He did the same last season a little bit. There was a little bit of, of question marks after the restart. He was given that penalty. Do you remember? Uh, Solo gave the ball up to Rufat for yeah, a penalty. I remember that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it, he, he makes the penalty and then, you know, he starts playing. Sometimes it is just getting that goal to get the confidence and you start finding the net again and again. And we're just going to have to see and wait until that clicks. I know, obviously, for Solo's goal, he was the one who, who fired it, you know, right at the keeper for the rebound. And if I'm not mistaken, was it last match or was it San Diego where it ended up hitting the post? And I think the keeper got a fingertip to it where we sit in the press boxes on the northwest corner. And it happened on the, the south end, so I'm not entirely sure. But, yes, he, he hasn't scored the, the goals and being a number nine, obviously, that's – your number one objective, but as you just said, they they haven't been lacking for goals. It's not like he has been the one creating every chance and not coming through with it. So I do think uh, given some time, like you said, getting one in, having go on, go in the net, uh, basketball players talk about it a lot too when they shoot threes. Just seeing it go in gives you confidence to keep going. So looking forward to, you know, if not one of the biggest matches of the year, Playing Tampa, obviously, there's the under storyline of this is the final finally being played. Rick told us earlier that obviously he knows that a title isn't going to be awarded based on one match. But all that being said, what do you expect to see now that this game finally is being played and they're slightly different teams as well from when they were supposed to play in 2020? Well, I think it's something that as much as we'll all talk about that angle, it's I don't think it factors in anywhere near as much as, as the billing of this game, really. Um, I mean, Neil Collins, that Tampa Bay coach, said similarly today. He doesn't believe that, you know, he thinks his players, we don't give them enough credit for the fact that they're professionals and they're over that. Um, and instead, it's, you know, just focusing on the fact that it's the third game of the season. It is, of course, the toughest game that Rising have played to date. Or at the very least, I'd be very concerned for the Eastern Conference if it doesn't turn out that way. Um, I think as a whole, I would be very surprised to see Rising change a, a huge amount up from the way they've played in these last two games, I think. But, th- but then you can say the exact same about Tampa. I mean, both sides have played two games apiece. They both won their two games and they both won every game they've played so far by three goals. So these are two teams that really aren't struggling coming into this one. Um, I, Tampa play slightly differently. Of course, they have the three at the back with Forrest Lasso back there, who's a very, very good defender. Um We'll we'll have to see how that how that goes. I mean, I know Tampa Bay again. Neil said today that he doesn't expect his team to to make too many changes because if they do, they'll be too focused on the changes and not on actually dealing with rising. Um, but it's it's two very good teams, some very good players on either side, and given the lack of interaction between the East and the West, normally. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And honestly, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what happens from a tactical standpoint, because obviously with the three at the back system, you're going to have the wing backs of Tampa's defense pressing higher on the Kings and the floods and the Asantes. And as they move up with the ball and, I call it inside-out football, hourglass football. You know, you're going to have to use the midfield 
to then get it back outside, spread the three at the back out, and then play in behind. And I want to use that as a transition, not for this Saturday specifically, because you're going to have Vaccaro and Quinn and Lambert in there. But going forward after that, when they return home, uh, presumably for the June 5th match, uh, we might not see Kevin Lambert for a little bit. Um, and then even going after that is the Gold Cup. So obviously he's uh, Jamaican getting called to do international duty. And that's an honor that you know, every footballer is, loves to do, is bestowed on, and teams will, will let their players go and do that. So what factor do you think that'll play? And who do you think will replace him as the number six? Because we've heard Rick say for years now that Kevin is the first person he puts – when he writes his starting 11. So I think the June break, the context to this is that I don't think it will be too disastrous for rising, losing him for those two games. I think you have to remember that they're both home games, that one of those two games is against Tacoma. Uh, you know, in the context of those things, yes, the San Diego game might prove a challenge if, if loyal are, you know, starting to get the ball rolling by that point. But I don't think that the Tacoma game will prove any challenge. It gives Rick certainly some scope to manoeuvre just with the squad that he's got. Um, the number of players who can play pretty flexibly. I mean, Billingsley can play as a centre-back. Wynn can play as a centre-back. That could free up uh, Moose to play as the, the midfielder. Of course, I just forgot Joey Farrell in there, who is a centre-back as his primary position. I think what we might be more likely to see at least initially is I'd probably put my money I think it's safer money is on Jeremy Kelly uh, actually starting in the midfield and Musa remaining in the defense Um, of course it remains to be seen what Rick will go with but I think that's the way I, I I could see him going I what what intrigues me from there though then is what happens if you need another midfielder in that midfield trio that's you know, to replace either you know, Kelly coming in or Aiden Quinn, because at that stage I don't see um, I, I don't see Rick bringing Arturo Rodriguez on to play in a midfield trio alongside John Baquero. I think that those two it's one or the other. So what's more realistic then is James Musa gets pushed up and you bring another defender in. In the middle of a game, could that be quite a defensive-minded change? Probably. But, I I mean, at this point, it's all speculation, isn't it? We are the best part of a month off. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we saw it. I know last match, Kev came off uh, for Kelly, and that was going to be the like-for-like, position-for-position change I was going to expect to see. Because, like you said with Musa, I think it just comes down to what do you want to do uh, for your back four, do you want to continue continuity and building what you have already started, especially with a new goalkeeper? Or do you want to switch things up because your team has such flexibility to allow yourself to do that? Um, and I, it's just going to be a, a wait and see game because that's what Rick gets paid to do, those, these exact situations. So before I let you go, this is going to be my last question. And it's just a easy prediction one. What do you got on Saturday? So you say easy, but there's nothing easy about it. Is there two teams that ooh, have they ever met before? I don't believe so. Well, there we go. Oh, Never met before. Uh, Rising has played how many games against Eastern Conference opposition in the last two seasons? The last two seasons? The uh, last two seasons. Zero, right? 
Zero, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it gives us a lot to analyse in that sense. Um, I could see it finishing a draw. Yeah, I was going to go with... Uh, I can't decide between 1-1 one, one or 2-2 two, because two, the defence has been so well, been playing so well for both clubs. But I feel like 1-1 one, one is too low for these two teams. So, either way, I, I see a point. Uh, two two on the you know national television ESPN two. Um, and if you're taking a point as well, like, obviously they they want the three points. Every team wants the three points. But if if you look at it from this is going to be the furthest the team has ever traveled for a regular season match. Literally going across the country, they're leaving two days before the match. So with all of those factors, you're not sleeping in your own bed. Time change, uh, weather change. I, I think coming back home with a point is. Uh, is, is really just what all you can ask for. And then you know, you're playing against your uh, Pacific Division team in Las Vegas when you return home, and that'll be three points that are we're gonna, going to be expected. Or, or should I call them LAFC too? I, I don't know which what the official name should be anymore. I'd take it a step further, actually, and say, to be honest, as long as the team doesn't get uh, badly beaten in Tampa, I think any result out of there, especially given the start of the season they've had, you've picked up six points. If you're going to drop points anyway, you might as well drop them to a team that's not in your division, um, and especially against one who's one of the best teams in the league. Oh, exactly. We've, t- we've talked about it. Uh, we talked about it a while ago, how, how many points they needed to come out of you know this this really hard bracket that they have here in the beginning, and and, you know, they've kind of already done that. You know, we, you said you needed to get, uh, I think it was, maybe we're talking about four points on the low end, but six points on the high end out of your first three, and they've already accomplished that. So, obviously, the, the quick start that we haven't seen um, in years, honestly. I mean, 2020, if you look at it game by game, yes, they had a good start, but there was, what, three-month gap in between game one and two? Um, so, it, obviously, a little different there. Um, but I'll leave it at that. We got a really fun match I'm looking forward to on Saturday at 5 p.m. Arizona time. Um, once again, we are joined by Owen Evans. Owen, I want to thank you again for your time, and uh, we'll speak soon, definitely. Yeah, we will. Thank you for having me. All right, I'll take care. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Uprising Podcast. Phoenix Rising's next match is once again on Saturday at 5 p.m. Arizona time on ESPN2 against the Tampa Bay Rowdies, which, of course, is the underlying story of the 2020 final that never was. You can catch all the action on ArizonaSports.com and the new Arizona Sports app on iOS and Android. You can also follow me on Twitter at JWA1994. Until next time, chivadiamo, adopo, ciao.